welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. So good to uh, be together this morning, be able to, to worship the Lord and to uh, hear from His Word this morning. As you can see on the, uh, the slide there, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 21. You will find your, um, find your Bible and, or, your, or your phone or your uh, whatever device you're using to, to read together this morning. You know, the, the birth of a, of a child is a time for joy and a time for laughter. And this is uh, true in general, but you think about for uh, the birth of Isaac, it would have been a tremendous time of, um, of joy in their family and in the, the greater camp of um, people there that were part of Abraham's um, uh, not really his family, but all the servants and the different ones that were uh, there with them. It had been uh, 25 years since uh, God had made this initial promise to Abraham that uh, he was going to bless him and that he was going to make of him a great nation, uh, gave him these land promises and that through his seed, through his offspring, he was going to be a blessing to all the nations. We know that uh, the Lord is looking ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ that would come through that uh, line of descendants. And now, at this time, 25 years later, the impossible has happened. God has given them a son. And uh, it, was a, it was a great time of, uh, of joy for them, I'm sure. But as we will see in this passage, a life is not just about uh, laughter and joy. It's also about pain and trials and sorrow. And I, I trust this morning that uh, we'll be reminded and we'll be encouraged by the reality that, that God is at work both in the joy and in the sorrow for our spiritual good and for His glory. Let's look at uh, chapter 21 in Genesis and just read the, the first seven verses. We're going to be working our way through this section a bit this morning as, as, we, um, as we work through uh, the message. In verse 1, The Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did as Sarah uh, did to Sarah as he had promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me, Everyone who hears will, will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. 
Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would help us as we, as we still our hearts before you this morning, and that you would help us as we see what you've done in this event, in the life of these individuals, and Father, help us to uh, make the application that you would to our own hearts, our own lives, our own needs this very day and the, and the week ahead. We pray in Christ's name, amen. One of the things that's surprising about this account, this uh, climatic event in the lives of Abraham and Sarah is that, uh, I mean Abraham and um, Sarah and the birth of Isaac, is that it's summary explained in just seven verses. Uh, this is such a, such a huge uh, event in their life, it's hard to imagine the joy and excitement over the birth of Isaac, and yet as we as we read it, uh, we've we've had this long section from chapter 12, we and even before chapter 11, part, part of chapter 11, this build up, and then uh, we get to the birth of Isaac that they've been waiting on, talking about promises, you know, given and repeated, and then it just it just kind of like. Okay, it happened. <laughs> and, and it's obvious God didn't really, wasn't really putting the emphasis there. But as we'll see in the passage, we, we, there's some things we can learn from this. Notice verse 6 where we read, And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh over me. Remember that... Um, Isaac's name means laughter, or he laughs, literally. And, uh, and so God, she's acknowledging here that God has made laughter. She's given him this son. And, uh, and it is so amazing what God has done that it brings about laughter. You just can't help but laugh about it. And smile and just be amazed at what God has done. You'll remember about a year before, Sarah had laughed to herself at the thought that she would have a child in her old age, being 90 years old. And Abraham also earlier had also laughed when God told him that the promise, this promise of the, of the son would come to him through Sarah. Uh, if you want to look back in chapter 17... Uh, we read there from verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. See, that was, that was in his mind, and they're thinking that this is how God's going to answer his promise. The, the, the promise is, is obviously coming through Ishmael. And uh, they had, I think, resigned themselves to that that's the way God's going to bring about his promise. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, 
and you shall call his name Isaac. Uh, as I said, which means he laughs. And so every time they call Isaac, come here, <laughs> they're reminded that um, their laughter of unbelief had been turned into a laughter of joy and amazement at God and what God had done for them. And I, I imagine sometimes that maybe Abraham is introducing his son to someone and they say, he said, this is Isaac. And they might look at him and say, well, Abraham, why did you call your son? He laughs. And Abraham might say, well, the, the Lord brought such joy and laughter into our lives in our old age gave us a son. But if he really wanted to be forthcoming, he might have said, well, when the Lord told us, or he promised to me that, that uh, I would have a son when I was 100 and Sarah would give me a, a son when she was 90, I laughed in disbelief. But God proved himself faithful to his word and he gave us his son and called him, he laughs. Well, that's another point that we see here emphasized in these first couple of verses is that God is faithful to his word. Notice in verse 1 and 2 in our text, it says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which he had spoken to him. You see, for believers, for us, this is a great truth. It's a truth that carries us through the good times and the bad times. It's the knowledge and the conviction that God is in control and that not one of his words will fail. You know, in our day, we, we come, have become accustomed to people breaking their promises. People easily give their word, yes, I'll do there, yes, I'll be that, yes, and, and then they easily break those promises also. Well, this happened, that happened, well, sorry, or, or they may not even acknowledge that they didn't do what they said, they just show up another day, or maybe you have to call them ten times, and they eventually come through. But not so with God. God says he's going to do something when he plans something it happens just as he had said it will be accomplished and just as with Isaac what he said it happened and it happened in the time in which he also said it would happen according to his plan well also noted in these verses is the obedience of Abraham in verses 3 and 4 the the naming of of his son Isaac, as God had told him, and also the circumcision of his son were, were both ways in which um, Abraham was walking in obedience uh, to the command of the Lord. The circumcision in particular was important as God had given him this sign of the covenant promise uh, to him and that this uh, promise, this covenant would come through Isaac, as God had told him, it would do. But you know, considering the time of this and the joy and the fulfillment of God's promise, as he had said, it would have been, it would have been easy to obey. 
It would have been, wouldn't have been difficult for Abraham to, to name him as he had said and to, to follow through with the circumcision as, as he had said. But you know, as we see in the remainder of this story, uh, Abraham was getting ready to experience some heartache and some difficulty and some things that would have, would have made it difficult to obey. Uh, heartache at a time, especially when it was supposed to be a joyous time. Uh, notice in verse 8, and these verses highlight that God is gracious even in their mess. Is <laughs> what my words. Notice verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned. You must agree that this uh, was a, would have happened about three years old. The boy was about three. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And that's just with that one little verse, you know, he makes that statement, but I, I can imagine this would have been such a big party, a uh, big celebration of uh, all the servants involved and just uh, uh, a great feast. I mean, when they had a feast, um, we saw earlier when, when Abraham uh, entertained the angels, the men who came, um, and it was described as just a morsel of bread and water, but it turned out to be a you know, big a big event, well, when the Bible calls it a great feast, it must have been something really special. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. So here we see laughter again, but this time it's a, a laughter of scorn and mockery or of jest. Uh, New Testament <coughs> says that, um, uh, that Ishmael persecuted Isaac. And so this laughter was, uh, yeah, it was a bit malicious, but it's the kind of thing you would uh, kind of expect from a, a 16-year-old uh, sibling. <laughs> They're not always nice to each other, are they? Uh, so it's, it's kind of the thing you would, you would expect, but Ishmael was old enough to know better. It's uh, likely that his attributes, his personality that the angel of the Lord had predicted were already evident. You remember, if you go back to chapter 16, verse 12, there the angel of the Lord told Hagar when she was still uh, pregnant and had fled from uh, Sarah out in the wilderness. She said that uh, she would have this son. God was going to bless him, make of him nations, and that he would be a wild donkey of a man and that his hand would be against everyone and everyone would be against him. So you can imagine by a 16 year old, he's already demonstrating these attributes, these characteristics in his life. And um, Sarah, she was uh, very angry at what Ishmael was doing, whatever he was doing, his laughing. He was, Ishmael was probably aware um, that the covenant promise would come through Isaac. And not through him, as Abraham had, had first thought. 
And so you can imagine he's feeling very jealous about this new baby that's come on the scene. And uh, now he's getting all the attention and everything's turning to him. But you know, this laughing of Ishmael was not really the problem. Uh, this problem had been in the making for 16 years. And it was, a, it was a problem that came from Sarah's own plan, if you remember, to give Abraham a son through this uh, slave Hagar, his servant Hagar, back in chapter 16. And what seemed to them at the time like a good idea, well, we know it wasn't a good idea because it wasn't God's plan for them. It wasn't God's way. It wasn't, wasn't God's will. And Ishmael, this this boy that was born of the of the the servant girl he would come to symbolize the work of the flesh in other words what man can do as opposed to the promise of god and where god was going to show what he could do and so abraham and sarah are living with the consequences of the mess that they had made for themselves Abraham, you see him here caught between his love for Ishmael and his love for his wife and his desire to, to have peace in the home and to, to uh, make her happy. And although the, the circumstances are different, we often are faced with our own heartaches, our own troubles, our own sorrows. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're, they're a result of just living in a fallen world. And sometimes they're the result of the messes that we make for our own selves. One commentator, Griffith Thomas, in his commentary, he compared their messes to tangled threads. And I thought that was a, a pretty good um, way of thinking about uh, our own life messes. They're like tangled threads. And he wrote, God was taking up the tangled threads of his servant's life, weaving them into his own divine pattern and overruling everything for good. Well, when we follow the flesh, our lives become a tangled mess. But God is gracious to us, his children. And just like with Abraham, he's working, not working in the joy and in the sorrow for our good and for His glory. And then we come to verse 12 as, as Abraham is uh, laboring through his thoughts and the grief that he's experiencing about what to do in this situation. And we see this conjunction, but God. And it's a, it's a thing that we see often. Although we don't always see the word, but God, it's there in many ways, in many places where man kind of comes to the end of themselves and they realize the mess they're in, they realize that they you know, don't know what to do, realize they have no hope. As Paul writes, as we are dead in our trespasses and sins without hope. And then he says, but God. And he talks about God's grace. And we see God's grace here to Abraham in this time. But God said to Abraham, be not despised Please, because of the boy and because of your slave woman, whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. 
And it wasn't that Sarah had good intentions or that uh, she was right in her attitude. It's that this God was going to use the circumstances they were in to still accomplish his plan. And he says to Abraham, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I think just reading those words, we don't, we don't think about how difficult that would have been for Abraham. Uh, those of you that are parents that have children old enough to go off to university for the first time out of your home, or maybe when they get married and you realize, okay, they're, they're not coming back uh, to live here anymore, and some of you are going, yay, and some of you are going, oh. <laughs> the moms are usually going, oh, the dads are used to going, yay. <laughs> But for Abraham, a 16-year-old son that he loved and he thought this was going to be the answer to the, to the descendants that God had promised, uh, and now he has to send him away, and um, the conflict that's there in the home that had been building up, no doubt through the years, and now that uh, Sarah has her own son, and she... She is uh, wanting to get rid of this boy and the mother so she won't be bothered with them anymore. But God's words to Abraham would have been very reassuring that God was in control and that he would be with them. He would be taking care of them. Uh, earlier in chapter 17, God had, had made this promise to Abraham. In chapter 27, chapter 17, verse 20, he, he writes, As for Ishmael, and if you were with us then, you might remember that Ishmael means God hears. And so God says to Abraham, As for God hears, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly he shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation well that would have that would have been very encouraging as Abraham remembers the promise of God and God reassures him here that uh, even though he's going to be sending them away that God is going to be with them God's going to bless this son as you come to verses 15 to 21 it's, uh, it's a little bit like a deja vu kind of feeling because we just read a similar thing back in chapter 16 where you remember uh, Hagar fled and went into the wilderness and God there uh, heard her and the angel of the Lord spoke to her and comforted her and sent her back. Well, verse 15 says, as, as Hagar has now gone into the, the wilderness there, uh, with Ishmael, uh, he says, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushels or bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot, for she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. 
And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Uh, <clears throat> it seems that Hagar here thinks that they're going to die. They must have been in pretty bad shape, been wandering around without water, and uh, she's given up. She's forgotten the promise that God had made to her uh, earlier, before Ishmael was born. And it's interesting that she's crying, but the verse 17 says, and God heard the voice of the boy. And no doubt he heard Hagar too, but we don't know what was happening with Ishmael. We don't know if he was crying or if he was calling out to God for help. I tend to think maybe he's calling out to God for help while Hagar's over has basically left him to die and she doesn't want to see him die, so she's gone way far enough that uh, she won't see him. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave it to the boy, uh, boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran and the mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. It's interesting there as Hagar is wandering around there in that wilderness area, she's wandering around in the area where there's a well of water. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that as we were reading. Uh, she just didn't see it. We don't know if she couldn't see it just because she was distraught or she just overlooked it or if God prevented her from seeing it. But the answer was right there. She just, she just didn't see it. And God, <clears throat> I believe allowed her to come to that point again where she's now helpless and hopeless so that she would and Ishmael would remember who God is and that God was their deliverer. And we see that God is listening to them. See, we serve a God who hears us. He sees us. Nothing escapes Him. Not only was God gracious to and working in the lives of Abraham and Sarah, but he was also gracious to and working in the lives of this slave girl, Hagar, and Ishmael, her son. And that, that should be encouraging to us as well as we think about God's grace towards us and how he's working in our lives. And many times we don't even see what he's doing and recognize what he's doing, but God's grace is abundant toward us.